everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is with Dr. Ravi Kamatreddy, who is an internal medicine physician and also the CEO and founder of Daytona Health. Daytona Health is a precision health company that provides premier concierge health behavior change to patients and professionals alike. In this podcast, Dr. Ravi and I talk about the problem with the current way we treat patients and how he imagines healthcare delivery in the future. We dig deep to discover the root cause of what's holding you back and what's holding patients back and how we can break the vicious cycle that we all seem to face on our health journeys. Without further ado, here's Dr. Ravi Kamatreddy. Quick note of the episode, we did lose video. So if you're watching on YouTube, we lost our video. So sorry about that, but I hope the audio is still sufficient. Ravi, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, great to talk with you about this uh, beautiful startup that you're building, um, which is Daytona Health, which I'll let you describe in a second. Uh, to our listeners, to everybody here, I'm excited to have you guys back for the podcast. And uh, Ravi, take it away. Yeah, thank you so much. So Ravi, come on, you ready? Uh, a pleasure to be here, Rami, with you and to join the the, the halls of all these other great thinkers that you have on the podcast. Uh, so I'm a physician by training, but also CEO and founder of a, a consumer digital health startup called Daytona Health. Now, our mission is really simple. It's to maximize health span through precision behavior change. That's a lot of words. <laughs> I can I can unpack all that and tell you exactly what it means. But, uh, but well, yeah. that's that. I mean, simple in theory. That's a great summary. That's a great summary, and I love that. Simple in theory. Why why did you why did you start this company, Ravi? In my opinion, it is the only avenue worth going down to plot a future for health for the like the population of the world uh, that that makes any sense to me. I mean, I, I'm, I started this because as a physician, most of us in our training and our clinical experience and even regular everyday people, we know that a lot of all these diseases, and this is all supported by evidence, so I'm not making this up, right? So a majority of these diseases that we suffer from are diseases of lifestyle. They're either overtly related to lifestyle or indirectly. So the biggest bang for buck and to be super clear on what I mean by biggest bang for buck, like biggest bang, the most benefit for buck by the resources invested would be to help people upgrade their lifestyles and improve things like sleep, exercise, nutrition, and not just those things, but also mindset, mindfulness, time and stress management. This, you know, these are the holy grails of what we know will either prevent these cardiometabolic diseases that we all hate and that we see so much and they're and are growing and are actually impacting our lifespan, right? I mean, our the, the our lifespan is decreasing in the United States, mostly from these cardiometabolic diseases, diabetes, stroke, uh, heart disease, um, you know, obesity. These are these are lifestyle diseases. So the biggest bang for buck really means improving those areas that will help prevent, at least improve, and in some cases, in a lot of cases, even reverse the processes that in, in, our, in our bodies that create and result in these diseases. So I'm just concerned. I'm concerned. I'm really concerned um, as a physician, and most of us know this. Most physicians and normal people are intuiting this 
themselves. They're like, hey, yeah, if you ask a normal person, what do you think contributes more to how you feel, your performance at work and with life, reaching your goals and your health? They'll say, yeah, I don't sleep very well. You know, I'm stressed. I don't manage time well. It's like what I'm eating and my exercise. It's 2022. Like the evidence is in. We all know this. And I've known this throughout my career, even through other startups. You know, we knew that we the behavior change was the holy grail. It's always just seemed like such an insurmountable barrier to cross, like an impossible problem on the dream list. You know, it's going to Mars, you know. Well, the thing is, people are working on going to Mars, right? So it's not so impossible. I mean, I uh, so, so this is a goal that is difficult. But just because things are difficult does not mean that they're not worth pursuing. So really, when it comes down to all the things that we're doing in the healthcare space, if we're not working on behavior change, if we're not ultimately helping people impact these areas of their life, we're not really making a dent in any of these diseases. We're just taking a uh, treat the symptoms approach instead of taking a functional medicine root cause approach. And it's time. It is time, my friend, to start taking a root cause approach and treating these things with the right tools, the right experts, and the right techniques. And that's what Daytona Health is, right? That it is a it is the company. It is a it is a startup that is that that houses all those three areas, those three things, right? The right tools, the right techniques, the right people to deploy uh, coaching in a way that can help improve people's lifestyles and really improve health span. I use that word because when you really think about it, health span is ultimately what everyone actually wants. They want to live longer, but they want to live well. They want to succeed at work. They want to succeed with their relationships, hit the goals in, in, that they want to in life, be clear about what those goals are, manage their stress, and they also want to avoid or at least improve the diseases that are getting in the way. That's really what these diseases are, right? If you think about it, the reason people don't want to get rid of their diabetes is not just because they, they, they want to maintain their vision and not lose limbs. It's because it makes people, it blocks them from reaching their goals in life. That's why we get healthy in the first place. Like if you really ask people why they get healthy, it's like, yeah, they want to live longer. They want to like be able to go pursue the things they want to do in life. When you're tired and taking pills all day and just feeling like crap, it's like you're not able to do that. So health span is what we really should be aiming for. Our healthcare system though, oh, and before I should say our healthcare system, and if you believe me, if you take on, if you believe me on the premise that behavior change is the biggest bang for buck thing that we can do to improve health span. And the data supports that, right? When you look at like how exercise affects our longevity, prevention of disease, cognitive decline. I mean, like I said before, the data is in. Like if you don't believe that as a physician or a scientist, you're basically taking a flat earth type position in health. So everyone, everyone knows this to be true. We're all just struggling with how to do it. But you look at the current healthcare system, we're not really good at doing health span, are we? We're really good. You know, if we if we take in, and feel free to push back on me on this if you disagree, but I feel like it's time to take an honest accounting of what's out in the market and how we approach health span disease and, 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 and the people involved and the systems involved. Like, what are we really good at, Rami? And then what are we not so good at? So let's like start positive, right? If you look at like doctors, the healthcare system, that whole kind of pharma industrial complex, um, if you will, it's like, Credit where credit's due, we are really good at reactive medicine. If you get into a car accident, like there's a high chance that 
that compared to just 50 years ago, you'll survive. You know, if you take a gunshot wound, it's amazing the kind of technologies, the surgical skills, the systems that come into play with literally within minutes, right, that can save your life. Absolutely amazing, astounding. Everything from like vaccine development, amazing. The timeline involved, I and mean, we can talk about the politics of it, you know, later and the profit margin and all that stuff. But, you know, like I said, credit where credit's due. Being able to create vaccines that fast, that have the efficacy that they do to prevent the those COVID complications is amazing. So it's like a real triumph of science. Okay, but what are we not so good at? Well, you know, our our population is being ravaged by preventable illness, and our system isn't really set up to prevent those illnesses. We're not so good, and primary care, I'm looking at you when I say this, uh, you know, it's like primary care, for example is basically failing. I am going to get some comments on this for sure, but I'm just looking at this objectively. This is not a personal attack on primary care physicians. Pr- primary care as a whole. I think you're going to get a lot of uh, acknowledgement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, let's look at the data, right? Like, what are we doing with primary? What, what, are, we, what are we actually doing? It's, you could make a case it's primary failure. We've basically been unable to deliver the types of interventions, which is behavior change, that we know can improve and delay and even reverse the largest burden of disease, cardiometabolic, to the most people at the place where they need it the most. And where they need it the most is really key because health does not happen within a 15-minute Zoom call on Teladoc, nor does it happen in a clinic visit. Would you agree with me? I mean, it's these things, these behavior change decisions, sleep, exercise, nutrition, the rest of it, these are these small decisions that we're making that, that accumulate every day. And those decisions are being made at home, around the dinner table, where we choose to go to lunch, you know, how we manage our days and our schedule. So it's so like you spend a very small amount of time. On average, the average person, if you see your, your primary care physician four times a year, that's an hour. That's an hour of actual FaceTime. But like all your health decisions and the things that happen that determine your longevity are happening in all the other minutes of the year. There's only, what, 520,000 or so minutes in a year. How many of those minutes are you spending in front of a doctor, right? So it makes no sense. And so we're using pharmacology. So in pharmacology, some of it works really well, but it's not a substitute. You know, if we we created a pyramid structure, like the base of that pyramid has to be these lifestyle issues. So we're not trained to do this as doctors. We're not good at it. We've been failing to do it. And so we have a populace where we keep throwing pills at these things, yet the incidence of these diseases is going up. And I would say we're good at keeping people from dying from them. That's what we're really good at. So I, that's that's like honest accounting. Yeah. Like we're, you know, if you have, what are the, the guidelines now for a heart attack? Yeah. In the United States, if you have a heart attack, it's uh, 30 minutes to get, uh, you know, or 90 minutes to door to balloon time, right? So like event to balloon time, that's amazing. That's great. You know, good on cardiologists for doing that. But But I'm worried about the other part. The health and prevention part is what we're really failing at. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think you're touching on a, a thing that we've all probably experienced working as primary care doctors. I think that there's we under we know what we're doing is sick care, urgent care, chronic disease management. And you know, this is something I've always felt especially during training was that I wasn't really making a difference in anybody's life. Like I was following these guidelines and, you know, not I always had this kind of lingering question in the back of the mind is of like Am I really helping them? Like, come on, like, are, are we just all kidding ourselves? I always felt like that. 
And because I, I knew that for some issues, there was just such deeper causes like poor sleep. Um, there's certain spirit, like underlying um, just uh, development that needs to be happening. Uh, I, there, I felt like uh, the education requirements that were needed to really get someone to understand what their nutrition should look like, why they should be exercising. It just, I felt like I would need hours with a patient to really truly help them uh, to, to, and, and not, not feel like I was kidding myself. And I don't know if other physicians have felt like this or not, but I think that this was something that actually contributed to a lot of burnout for myself because I always just felt like what I was doing, like, am I just like some kind of glorified social worker? What am I like? Am I really making a difference? Am I just kind of handing out medications and making myself feel better because I'm following the guidelines? Like when deep down, I know that there's much more that's needed here. And I, I truly don't know if others feel like this. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I think to some degree, I think most doctors in primary care can can probably agree to some 100% they're feeling like uh, that. What was your personal experience? Did you have a personal experience that led you to want to start this? Yeah, it's the weird, it's the weird condition of the human species that it's like we have a blind spot when it comes to ourselves. So uh, let's, let, me, let, me, let me start with the statistics. So I, this, this has one of been, been one of my estimates, but it's been uh, somewhat validated if you look at the, how many people actually exercise and eat well. It's about 93% are kind of following – uh, 93% of people do not follow like the guidelines as we know them. So if you just take a look at – then you mentioned guidelines. If you just look at like guidelines, European Society of Cardiology, the major organizations, you know, diabetes, et cetera, et cetera, baked in those guidelines with a lot of evidence is behavior change first, right? So if you talk about like lipid control, the first part of that is lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. So lifestyle always is, is baked into our guidelines because it's like consistent with the evidence, we are not following those guidelines. We're really selective about those guidelines that we follow. Um, that being said, it's hard to coach yourself. So even though we know as doctors that's the problem, I'm in that 90 – I was in that 93%, right? So there are about 5% of people – we all know these people. We are, we're probably friends with some of them who are just on top of it. They take care of their stuff. They've got their mindset. They're like – they're annoying to when they go out to party with us because – you know you're going to have to go to a restaurant. They're going to be a pain in the ass. They're going to go, well, is there this option or that option? You know, they're high maintenance. The reason they're like that is they're really conscientious about it. They value it. They value themselves. They value self-care. They don't ever seem burned out. They seem to be able to handle all this stuff. And you're like, what are they doing so differently? And we can talk about that uh, later. But basically, I'm not one of those, right? I was in the other part, like everybody else, that's struggling. I was struggling with weight. I was struggling with my own lipids, my hypertension. You know, there was a time in my life where, you know, I was chief medical officer, co-founder of two digital health startups were funded simultaneously, still seeing patients and trying to still do research in digital health. And I was burned out. I mean, I was on no sleep, you know, driving back and forth between, you know, between the hospital or, and then, you know, San Francisco, you know, San Francisco for one startup and San Diego, the other startup. And I was grouchy, annoyed. My blood pressure was in the 200s. You know, I was, I was probably insulin resistant, all those things. And all of those things now, I, I think that, that, that drove it home, right? When you become a patient, you understand how the healthcare system treats that. You know, when I went to my primary care, the first thing that happened was here's lisinopril, 40, whatever, which was, you know, not inappropriate given the, the magnitude of my blood pressure at the time. But it's like that's the default move. It's I have an array of medications 
and I, I'm going to make myself feel good by prescribing them. And I have a very limited time. So to a doctor's point of view, it's like, look, I don't know how to change behavior. It's like talking to a brick wall. And that's what one of my good friends is a cardiologist has literally said that to me. He's like, hey, look, I don't know how to change their behavior, right? Like it's hard. It's like talking to a brick wall. And it's like, what? So as a physician, you're faced with this, it's impossible choice. You're like, what can I do in these 15 minutes to at least try to make a dent? At least I feel like I'm following the guidelines. I feel like I'm doing something for this guy, right? And it's it's a couple of prescriptions for this stuff. It's like, here, take this, go improve your sleep in some counseling, three minutes or whatever. So I was on the, I've, I've been right. on the giving end right. of that. You always want to feel like you've done something. Yeah, there's no docs who are out there who are like mustache twirling, malicious you know, dickheads, right? I mean, they're they're in the business to try to make a difference. So I give them uh, the benefit. There are some. <laughs> there are some. There are some. I've luckily never, you know, I've never had to deal with those. But you're right. There are some who are who are just not as conscientious and are a little bit malicious even. But I think, <laughs> but I, but I think I've been on the giving end of that story. You know, of that speech. Like here, here's your three minutes of counseling. Here's the scripts. You know, we'll see you in three months. But it the the game changes when you're on the receiving end, and when you're on the receiving end. It's very different. Now, as a physician, I can kind of interpret the, the information differently than like a normal person who just may not have the medical training. But the bottom line was, I was like, I need to make a change here. Like, this is not going to work. It's not just going to work for – it It wasn't because of my diabetes risk and my MI risk. All that stuff is true. But most people, and even physicians, you know, 50% of physicians don't exercise and eat right. That data comes out of uh, uh, the UK, out of a huge survey of 12,000 physicians. So even we're not I'd, doing or, that. I'd bet it's higher than that. <laughs> I bet you it is too. So so it's it's like it's like we're we're not following these guidelines. And I was like, this is not, there's something missing here, right? I mean, there, this is, it's not about just my disease risk. It's about my work performance, my mood. You know, my ability to think clearly, prioritize, like the person I want to be is not consistent with, you know, alcohol intake and not eating right and poor sleep. So it's like I'm staring at this data and it just, it, everyone at some point in their lives, it's like the pain has to exceed a certain threshold to where they actually do something about it. Right. So it's like that, that's what happened to me. It just became so painful to be living in that state. I was like, okay, these changes have to be made. And, you know, I had to employ help to get those changes. Right. So it's like this idea of coaching and this idea of other people who are experts in behavior change, employing those people in a structured way to help you rewire your thinking, your actions was not only the right move, but it proved to me that this was doable. And, you know, Daytona is an attempt to build a, a system to help scale it as well. Who's your ideal, like, patient? And what are they coming to you and saying? Right. Because I, I imagine, um, you know, someone someone is slightly more conscientious, someone looking for feedback, someone willing to take feedback. I'm guessing someone that's coachable, I would, you know, quote unquote, say. Yeah. So, and this, this dovetails into what we were talking about earlier too, about like kind of like what's out there in the market to help this problem. So we've agreed that this is the biggest problem, but it's like, so, but, but, you know, and the, the healthcare system itself is, is not super helpful with this. And, and plus, which is why like this frenzy of telemedicine, just scaling more doctors in the old system is not going to help, right? That's, that's not, that's not the answer either. It's a lot of, right. it's, I think a lot of, um, making a lot of noise in the, in the pool, but really, you know, you're not really going anywhere. You're just kind of flapping your arms around. Um, so to answer your question, so so Daytona, you know, the way we've put together the program, 
our ideal client at this point, really it's, it's the most important thing is this, um, if we, if we delve into some of the behavior change science and some of the models, if you've heard of the, the trans theoretical model of change, it's a, it's a good starting point for us. And there's, people go through these different stages or they're modeled to go through these different stages. So one of these stages is, you know, the pre, are you pre-contemplative? Like, do you want to change? We talked about that pain threshold. Is this a point in your life where you're like, I got to do something, whatever happened. Like maybe you had a heart attack. Maybe, maybe you just got rejected on on enough dates and you're just tired of being single, whatever it is. Right. Or you're like, Hey, this, I, I, I ran the Framingham risk calculator and it's like a number that I'm not happy with. Whatever that event was or series of events, it's like someone's decided, I don't know how to do it, but I got to do it. I got to do something. And that applies to lots of things in our life, right? Not just health, but like, the, so yeah. we kind of move through these, these phases. But there are some people who are pre-contemplative. These are the people who don't want to change right now. If you're not willing to make a change, we're not really a good fit for you. We weed those people out and we do that through kind of an initial call that we have to people. But um, we're looking for people in that contemplative phase. And that contemplative phase is like, no matter where you are in that phase, we can take you. So it's like, uh, there's demographic, there's demographic features, I think of our, of our current kind of membership, but it's, yeah, they are conscientious. They do want to make some change. The important thing is some of them do not have any of these chronic diseases yet. They're kind of that pre-diabetic phenotype. They're just conscientious. Um, they they don't want to slide down that road and they can kind of feel themselves getting overstressed, overworked. They, they Usually, they you know, some of the other half do have some disease. They're like starting to gain some weight. So they're like in that 40s, 50s, 60s range, you know, males and females who are super busy, overextended, um, who are burned out, who know they got to do something. They typically don't need to be lectured that, you know, hashtag food is medicine. They're like, I know that. I don't have five minutes to like sit down and take care of myself, right? I'm taking care of kids, spouse, house, finances, work, everything. And I'm I'm just, I don't know how to structure this in a way. Typically, they've tried things before. They've tried weight loss apps. A lot of our members have already had already have Pelotons and Tonals. Tonals are not being used. The Pelotons are mostly being used to dry clothes and hang clothes after being washed. Um, yeah. So they, and, and that brings me back. That brings me back to the other the other things in the market, right? I mean, it's it's like it's where digital health really is kind of stalled. And we've you know they've invested in the digital health ecosystem. They have a smartphone. They have apps. They have all this all all the tools. They have access to Fitbits and all the other stuff. But this is my main problem with this. And going back to your question of you know why we started Daytona. It's because I feel like we're the missing wheel in this whole puzzle or the, of this car that we're driving. Digital health so far was designed to be, you know, this innovative way of approaching population health, helping people be empowered with their own data and their own health and make, make better decisions. But the fact is we what we've stalled at is we do really good at doing a lot of tracking and logging and creating devices that do that. And sending reminders, you know, recipe apps, fitness apps, exercise apps. There's 1,500 exercise apps in the store right now on the Apple, the Apple store, right? So the problem is the underlying assumption for all this stuff has been a little bit wrong, right? It just giving people data does not reliably make them change their behavior long term. 
And that's been the fundamental learning here. So a lot of our ideal clients, they already have apps. They've got a Fitbit. They got an Apple Watch. They're counting their steps. They can do, they have the water tracking app. All that stuff is nice to have, but it's not fundamentally changing your behavior. That is a very um, in-depth process that takes months and a dedicated team that we apply, right, at Daytona. So those are our, those are our initial customers, right? Those are people. And there's, our vision is for everyone with a smartphone to have access to what we what is yeah what is the coaching process like right like how do you get someone to to complete a behavior change right what does that look like yeah so that's a good that's a good question so so how does the whole thing work and so how are we kind of how does it work and then how are we how are we different right from from everyone else that's out there um, so we start with that discovery call so that call for us is really helpful it helps us determine what stage of change you're in and so the people who just aren't ready, like, hey, that's cool. The smokers that want to, that don't want to quit, like, hey, man, that's cool. Keep going. If you ever change your mind, here's our card. Give us a call, right? Um, but once people go and kind of describe what their um, their situation is and kind of why they reached out and what they want to do, then we're like, okay. Once people enter into our system, what we do then is figure out um, – like what tools they're going to need. So everyone in our in the system just gets a number of tools, you know, that could be considered perks, everything from a wearable, so like an Ura Ring or Fitbit. But we include in this kit a number of things that are really helpful that just help to take the barriers away from getting the data and, and, and be interacting with our team. Um, and so things like a digital scale, a food scale, we include a number of things, a tripod for their phones. They can even get... Um, you know, so we can do personal training and stuff and they can set things up. In other words, there's a really nice branded welcome box that just contains all the tools that they're going to need for this kind of four to eight month journey that they're going to be on. The next step in that is what we call calibration. So calibration, Rami, is really important. Essentially, we're getting a, tons of data from each individual where we can create a personality and behavior profile. So some of this stuff is medical information, labs, initial labs kind of form a baseline. If they have them, we get that we we're happy to accept them. If not, we actually send them to each member to get. We also get from the labs, uh, or sorry, not from just the labs. We also, um, we, we do a lot of motivational interviewing. We're really trying to figure out in this phase, what makes you tick? And specifically, we find, we we're finding out a couple categories of information. One is what we call captivators. It's like, why do you want to change and what do you want to change? Like, why do you really want to lose weight? What are the underlying reasons for these things, um, for, for the changes you want to make? And a lot of these are very personal and they kind of cluster around the things you would think, family, work, uh, things like that. However, you know, vanity, we try to go as deep as possible to try to understand why the change was occur or what kind of what they're really looking for, how they want to vision, how they envision themselves as a as a as a more healthier person. Essentially, what can health do for you? The reason we take the time to do that is this is this, one of the secrets to engagement for us. You can you can lecture people all day about cardiac risk or their diabetes numbers. And for most people, it's really hard for them to get their head around what that means. But if you really try to go deep, 
and hit the underlying reasons, if you can hit those notes on their piano that resonate with them on why they want to do things, then you've got a number of reasons that you can use later in the coaching process, right? The second thing is like we talked about their baseline data and like where they're starting from. So the areas we coach are sleep, we coach exercise, uh, we coach uh, nutrition, uh, mindset, performance. We include executive coaching to help with the work performance and all of the little details that are that can help people kind of succeed at their jobs and finding purpose and everything from finding purpose and meaning to how to negotiate better salaries. And we also include life coaching. Life coaching is an interesting addition. It really helps and works synergistically with the health and the performance because it helps people manage their time, their priorities, their reactions to things, their stress. In addition, one of our tiers even has an executive assistant that we include in the program. So we do that because one of the most common things that we all experience is time. It's a problem with time. Everyone feels like they don't have time. Some of that is addressable by helping them reprioritize, right? We can't create minutes in the day, literally, but we can when when we teach them to say no to things. And part of the mindset change with health and behavior change is for everybody to start realizing that this is non-negotiable, that this has these health behaviors, sleeping better, protecting your sleep time, all the sleep hygiene stuff, spending 30 minutes a day to exercise. You have to put that in a circle in your mind that is things like picking up your kids from school. Right. I mean, you'd never hear a type type one diabetic say, I don't have time to take insulin. It's non-negotiable for them. And that's the kind of mindset shift we have to create for people. Yeah. And some of that you can rearrange schedules and do things. But other things, but the other way to do it is just to help, right? Help take things off their plate and create create space in their day. That's what our EA is designed to do. We call it a health valet. Ravi, I just want to jump in real quick. These are very high level services that you've described and they're, they all, yeah. honestly, they sound amazing. You know, I want to sign up myself. Um, I'm curious though, how do you think the average, how do you think the average person, the average person that's not used to the, having this kind of support would feel, or how do they react possibly to getting all of a sudden all of this kind of support or help or coaching and you know, does it take a certain kind of individual that's already super conscientious, super um, uh, proactive to really benefit from something like this? Or, you know, could you step into someone like some of our patients, maybe from like FQHC or something and provide something like this uh, in a way that they'd be receptive to? Yeah, it's people love it. I mean, basically, I mean, we could, this is in. The system is built specifically to be flexible. Everyone's different. And that's kind of our secret sauce, right? Is matching during that calibration phase. What we're essentially doing is figuring out what works for you. So we all know everyone needs to get 150 minutes of exercise. And we all know there's different types of exercise. And we're less worried about what type of exercise, what reps of what exercise to do. That That's not what we're really worried about at Daytona. What we do is figure out, I'm not just to fit it into your schedule, but how to keep you motivated to keep doing it. And how do we do that is we use those captivators and we, we've, but we combine those captivators with a series of text and video uh, from these different team members in a way that doesn't overwhelm them. So it's these small changes over time with a very supportive team. You know, we like to tell people that it's like having a digital angel on your shoulder that can help steer you and nudge you toward the right health decisions in these areas every day, slowly 
over the course of months. Now, who, Rami, would you, you know, can you think of a person that wouldn't appreciate that, right? I mean, it's hard, it, you'd be hard pressed, except for the people who just aren't ready to do anything. But most people, when we apply this, and we've, you know, we have members who are, who vary from different socioeconomic classes drastically. They're all like, the, the universal thing that we get, and we get a lot of feedback from them, is I've never felt so supported. This feels very different than anything I've tried before. So it's very personal. It's very um, calibrated to what their specific things that they care they care about, the types of behaviors they need to change specifically. But more importantly than that, it's the kind of it's the idea of how you tell them is different based on their personality, what they care about, what behavior change techniques work on them. I would say Daytona's secret sauce is not sending bland reminders that tell you remind you to breathe or whatever. You know, that's all nonsense. It's matching the behavior change techniques that exist in the science of behavior change with the right people, telling people the or nudging people the right way to do these behaviors with this kind of diverse team. And that's also it's a very personal experience from what you've described, which is uh, something that's very much lacking in digital health. Yeah, that's right. And so it's essentially like think about like having to eat a taco salad with your hands, right? It's very difficult to do that. So I feel like digital health is like that taco salad. You've got all these wearables, all these different experts, all these uh, these different regimes and ways to do nutrition. And what we've done is created the taco, right? Like, you know, we've created, it's like something you can hold on to, the, or the burrito. It wraps around the rest of the ingredients and lets you take bite-sized chunks in a way that's digestible and that feels good, right? And that's what our coaching really is. It's this incremental change over time with a very specifically matched personalized behavior change profile to you. And that's our secret sauce. Like our IP is there. It's like what kind of people respond to what kind of behavior change techniques. That's what's been missing in all of digital health. Everyone, you know, we've, and, and by the way, the rest of the digital health ecosystem, the tools guide our coaching. So we look at their wearable data. It tells us what they've been doing and how they've been progressing in those areas that we're coaching. But it's not just that data. It's not just labs. Like there's a lot of motion right now in getting precision labs. Well, that's great. Labs tell you about what your risk factors are. You come to us with that lab data, we'll help modify them. So this is the key to HealthSpan. This is how you know, we can, and we take people who have never been in a gym before, we call them rescues, you know, that, that never, you know, that, that have been struggling with things like obesity and blood pressure and kind of mindsets that, and, and negative, negative beliefs, all those things. Uh, you know, we can deal with them. We love working with them, actually, because they can see such huge changes. But we also take people on the other end of the spectrum, right? The high performers, the ones who are like, hey, I got to get my mile time down. I'm running an ultra marathon or doing a Spartan race. Cool. We can take you, too. Interesting. And how do you measure that? Like, how do you measure that? They have a growth mindset. High performers are very different in how they think. Yeah, it's a very interesting question. So growth mindsets, there actually is a scale or two that does measure this in terms of mindset, but we measure it in terms of self-efficacy. So we we measure self-efficacy through a scale. Actually, we use two different scales. Um, here's the thing, Rami. In all of healthcare, if you think about like I, I would let me put this to you. You tell me if you agree with me. In actuality, for overall health and longevity, the most important health metric you can ever measure with anybody is self-efficacy. 
See, if people don't have some sort of sense of control and agency over their health destiny, they will be very it'll be very difficult for them to take the meds, be engaged with their healthcare system, feel like they can make a change or get motivated to keep a, to maintain a long a long-term sustained change. The kind of changes that we know and we're talking about that result in preventing those diseases that we're all worried about, right? Self-efficacy is something we don't measure very well, typically in the traditional healthcare system, and we need to start including that as a more powerful marker. Um, and so the way the, the to answer your question further, people who are the high performers have high self-efficacy, they're highly conscientious, and they have a very interesting difference in how they view themselves. They don't have a problem investing money and time and resources in themselves. They don't see that as a waste of time. To them, it's like obvious. They're like, why wouldn't I invest in self? I'm really valuable. They intrinsically know they have this self-worth. They're like, I'm smart. I'm capable. I am worth improving. Um, they, that's how they see themselves. The kind of things they tell themselves, that's the narrative inside their mind. So when it comes to us, they're looking for results right? They're like, do you, will I get results or not? You know, they don't care about the price. They don't care about, um, you know, they're, they're just, they, they calibrate to results. I, it's a very interesting question you ask, because I've been noticing this more and more. The, uh, everybody else who's just not there yet. So that's a mindset, right? You can adopt this mindset you, with, with training. Everybody else, they're suffering from still a little bit of guilt about investing money in themselves, taking care of themselves. They're still like, oh, I don't know if this will help. And, you know, so they're just not there yet. Do you think that the healthcare system that's currently in, in place has jaded them to just see their health as something that someone else has always been, someone else has been responsible for, like their doctor or whoever it is, and their doctors failed them, at least in their eyes. And they're just now uh, a part of, they're just, they they have a mistrust maybe and do they does that translate over or do, do you feel like they're just they have sort of given up their agency to the providers or to the healthcare system and and uh, they don't have any agency of their own they haven't given up agency to the healthcare providers they've given up agency full stop and the reason is cuz they're like i don't know it doesn't matter i've tried everything it just never helps the pills i'm on i really can't feel a difference so they they've kind of checked out or tuned out uh, the ones who have the ones who have given up agency have checked out or tuned out what i will tell you which is a pleasant surprise because i know as a, in, in if you're if you're a physician right now listening to this and you're stuck in the bubble, right? You're in the matrix. You know, you go to the hospital as a hospitalist. You're doing your two weeks on, and all you see, you're rushing through each patient, just trying to do the best you can. And you know you're cutting corners. You know that person needs to be taught about a variety of things you don't have time to do, right? Um, it's hard for you to understand this, right? It's hard. You think people are jaded because they're not listening to you. The fact is, those patients, those people, I don't really like even using using the word patients, right? Because it puts this us and them thing, which isn't true. It's like People were, were, were treating, uh, people were supposed to be helping. The vast majority of them want to improve. They want to feel better. They're waiting for someone to help them with this stuff. I, for some reason, it actually it's not for some reason, I know the reason, because we've been stuck in a very bad practice model for a long time, we think everyone's jaded um, with with uh, with their own health. They're not jaded with their own health. They really care about their health. The vast majority of people want to feel better. They want to be better. I mean, mo most Americans, 
they wait. This is what I've noticed. The vast majority of them wake up tired. You know, they're stress eating. They're not taking care of themselves. They have to go to work tired. They're taking care of kids tired. They come home, they sleep tired and they sleep like crap and they do repeat it all over again. So you see all these behaviors, the drinking, the anxiety, the, the doom scrolling on TikTok. These are all just escapist behaviors, right? This is to deal with the anxiety. They're stuck in this vicious cycle. They want someone to help them or a team to help them get out of this vicious cycle into a virtuous cycle. So the good news is that they do want help and they'll accept help. And they're like, yes, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. Like someone is just a guy that guide me through it. Now, the second part of the answer to this question is they are jaded. Yeah, they're pissed about healthcare. Most people are really disappointed and pissed about healthcare. And it's getting and that's gonna get worse because um especially since you know the Cures Act and the ability to be able to see the bills. So now they're 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 financially aware of that 15 minute minute visit you know, which didn't feel so good and kind of felt like my doctor didn't even really talk to me or wasn't that helpful. Wait, he charged what for that, right? When that bill comes through, now they're even more pissed. It's like, I'm paying for this stuff. I'm paying these insurance premiums. And it's like, I'm getting very little out of it. Well, yeah. Let me also ask you this. I think that Americans, I think in general, we've been trained to think of um uh, our healthcare as something that we're entitled to because we have insurance. I think that a lot of the frustration of many doctors is that their patients are, you know, I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but that there's a sense of entitlement from patients because patients are paying a huge amount uh, every month for this insurance. And the patients feel that because they're paying so much for the insurance, they're entitled to excellent care, which of course they don't get in the traditional healthcare system. So there's this, so like there's this sense of like, well, I'm paying all this money for it. I'm supposed to be getting excellent care. Why aren't I? And why should I go spend money elsewhere on as an added service if I'm just going to get crappy care anyways? Well, the thing with that is, I think there's two things there, right? So I think you're right. And I know there's a sizable population that does think that way, but but there's two. I think there's two points there that are really interesting. One is I think that's changing. I think it's pretty clear now, especially after COVID, um, where again lifestyle change and this cardiometabolic disease was the biggest risk factor for COVID complications, right? Which is explained some of the death rate that was really high in the United States, but no one ever talked about it um, for some reason. Um, but I think that people are even more disillusioned and they're investing in themselves. Like in 2022, people are buying Pelotons. They're getting gym memberships. There were underground gym membership, gyms going on, right? That's how bad people wanted to go. They're, they're, they're investing in digital health devices. Like this is coming from a place that's telling you people care and that they will spend money around it because they want to feel better and get the benefits, right? So I think that's changing. I think people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. The second part about being entitled, I think this is part of a larger shift that also has to happen is that you're responsible for your healthcare. It may not be your, you know, is, is Dr. Patty Barrett, one of our advisors, one of my really good friends, a cardiologist from who scripts it, went through the digital health program with me there. Patty says, you know, it's like, um, you know, it may not be your fault, like you may be genetically predisposed to having art, but it's like your responsibility, like no doubt about it, right? It's like, it's still your problem and you have to take care of it. I think everyone is understanding now, and to be honest, this is again, my opinion, what Scott Galloway said is true. You know, the NYU professor uh, of marketing, you're talking about um, health insurance is a scam. I mean, look, you're paying a lot. Can you educate? I, I am not familiar with this. Can you 
say a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, he, he was at South by he was at South by Southwest, and he talks about how you know um, he was just on stage talking about kind of trends he sees in the future. And he's like, health health insurance is a scam, and in a lot of ways, it is. So, oh, of course, it is. At least, definitely in preventative primary care, yeah, hundred percent, it's a scam. So let's let's just think about this differently, and let's let's propose a different an exit off this, you know, if you think about the original, the initial, the current healthcare system with its pharma, with its health insurance, all the payer nonsense, all that stuff. Like, Cause I hate when even people say payers, the real payers are patients, right? Like regular people are the real payers. But anyway, um, think about it like a highway. Like, has this ever happened to you where if you've been on a highway and you crest over like a hill and you look at Google and it says there's like a, a crash or a like big slowdown coming up and you're just like, oh man, this is going to suck. Like it's not there yet, but you know, you're kind of driving into it. You crest over a hill and you see it. So like you look at the highway and like three miles or four miles down, you can see everything's just at a standstill and you're like, oh, this is going to suck. It's going to be another three hours. That's like the typical healthcare system now. That, that that car is someone going through like year after year, like every mile you're driving is like you're on, everyone's on that highway. Like it's just going to start sucking at 60 or 70, right? When you have to pay more and you're on meds now and all the stupid bills and the crappy healthcare system where no one talks to you or explains anything to you, no one helps prevention. What I'm saying is services like Daytona are an exit off that highway. Like I'm giving you an exit off that highway right now. What if you take this exit, it may be a little bit slower overall, or you may have more investment in time like in the beginning. Because you have to spend some time exercising and on this team that's going to help you and eating right and all that stuff, but it's going to be clear sailing. You'll never be in a, you'll never be in a slowdown and you'll have a more scenic route. You know that's what I'm offering. What I'm saying is, okay, if we could surround everyone with a smartphone, with a consumer system like this that huddled together all the right tools, you know this ultra personalized coaching techniques that we've developed and all the experts that you would need, which Doctors are part of that team, you know, we're, and we're thinking about adding them next year. But trainers, health coaches, dietitians, the EAs, the life coaches, right? And everyone had their own personal team. It was consumer. They don't answer to anybody but you. No health insurance. No, no, you know, we're not answering to your doctor. If you had that and we could maintain a higher level of health and prevent a lot of these diseases for a longer time, then you could take your insurance and go, well, I'd rather buy just catastrophic insurance, right? And that way, when things go wrong, we could use that. And that's what health insurance should really be. Health insurance is for broken bones and heart attacks. And God forbid, if you get cancer and you need chemotherapy or whatever, fine. But like, isn't that a better model? Isn't that what we're really aiming for? That's the way that health and current insurance is used in every other industry except healthcare. Yeah, you don't use your car insurance for getting an oil change or getting a tire alignment. You pay cash for it, and and preventative services are usually in that realm anyway, which just makes sense because that's not what insurance is intended for. It's not part of their business model. We keep trying to push that ball. It's trying to keep pushing it in, like which is what digital health is now doing now. Digital health almost has become a religion, Rami. I mean, I've seen this. I mean, you've seen this too over the last you know fifteen years. It was like an approach. And there's, there's things that we should um, adapt with it, like any science project. Like there's hypotheses that we have and we should adapt. We haven't been adapting. It's been a, it's like a, this religion of technology that technology will solve problems and change behavior by itself, which it doesn't. And also that the payment model, right, that you have to go through employers and um, 
and health insurance. Otherwise, it won't work. You won't have a viable business. And I reject that. I think that's ridiculous. I don't think that's the future. So I'm, I'm trying to paint a different future. I'm trying to paint, like I said, that exit off that busy highway to a much better route for most people. Ravi, can we real quick, can we use myself as an example or maybe uh, someone else that would be signing up for your service? Because I'm trying to get a better understanding of yeah. how this applies to maybe a lot my life or maybe somebody I know's life who could really use yeah. something like this. So, you know, let's say I'm the, you know, you know, I work in a startup, I work a lot of hours and I'm busy and I've got this health issue that I'm trying to get under control. Maybe I'm, let's say I'm, I'm 40 pounds overweight and I'm pre-diabetic and, you know, I really want to get ahead of this. What am I going to get from a coaching or preventative service that I'm not going to get from just going and seeing my doctor? And because, you know, I, I personally have no, I, I see no reason for me to ever go to my primary care doctor other than getting uh, my blood work. Right. Well, maybe, I guess I have a biased view because of, uh, you know, I've got the training under my belt. But I think a lot of 25 to 45-year-old males especially feel this way, um, just don't see the value in going to a primary care. You're a primary care. And so I would see the yeah. value in going to a coach that gives me authority and control over my health um, and lets me be in the driver's seat. But so using this example, let's say, how how are, how is this going to, how is this service going to, what does my intake look like? What does the service look like? And and how, what are the, you know, the changes that I would be able to see in my life? Right. So the first thing I'm going to ask you is, well, you'd link through us through a discovery call and you schedule that. And then when you schedule that, you're going to either meet with, you know, me or one of our team, yeah. right? So one of our, our coaches or one of our health coaches. And when you do that, we're going to ask you a number of questions. So we're actually going to take you through an exercise. So do the exercise with me right now, let's say. Let's just do it virtually, right? And one of the exercises we do, imagine in your head a two by two or four circles. It's obviously we do it visually with, with Zoom. So it's, it's easier to do this. We'll actually, you know, the funny thing, we research everybody before leaving the discovery call. We'll look up at your link. You'll look at your LinkedIn. We'll look at your Twitter feed. We'll look at your Facebook. We really want to know who we're dealing with. Um, but th- so we already have ideas of where you work and what you're up to and what the stresses you may face. That's a little bit, it's not, don't think of it as creepy. Think of it as, as us trying to get to know you so we can best serve you. Right. Um, so I know you're a physician. I know you're on a podcast. I know you're doing something outside of medicine, you know, all these things, right? Um, and I, so I have an idea of like what kind of stresses you, you, you're, you're, under, you're, you're undergoing. Now, I wouldn't know the prediabetes and all that stuff just yet. But I would say, why now? I, I, I'm not prediabetic, by the way. Right, right, right. Just for the, 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 for the example. No, I get it. I get it. No, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think you, you take pretty good care of yourself. Uh, but I, I would say, you know, why now? So the question really starts with, are you in the contemplative phase of change? Are you just like thinking about it or dabbling, right? Why now? What is it you really want? So play, play the character, like, you know, the character you were, you were, you were uh, explaining, uh, your, the picture you were painting there with kind of your pre-diabetic, you know, overweight, all that stuff, like in the startup, you were living the startup life under a lot of stress. Like, what is it you want? Like, what is it you, you're really looking for? Why did you pick up the phone or why did you schedule the call? What does health mean to you? Yeah. Well, I'm looking for more energy and I'm looking for to spend more time with my family, with my kids, uh, with my wife and looking to be a better husband, looking to make more money, looking to do right. all these things. Right. And okay, so I'm taking look- it from, I'm taking it from a, a little bit of a different perspective because I think that real, right. the real motivators, especially for men, I think is, 
uh, a lot of times around these things of like, you know, being a provider, being a good husband, being a good father. These are the captivators we were talking about. So that name is a portmanteau of captivating motivators. Yeah, and it's not that clever, but it's it, it serves our purpose really well. And this is exactly what I'm trying to find out. So I'm actually going to go deeper. So just make you know make it up if you go along, or if you have if you're if you're parroting your real life, that's okay too. But like, what do you mean be a better husband? What does that mean? Like, what what is what is what does a better husband look like to you? What would that person be doing that you're not yeah, doing? Well, I'm life? not currently married, but to my future potential wife, if you're out there listening, this one's this is. <laughs> I'm doing the work preemptively. Uh, but yeah. I would say something like, you know, having more energy to go and, uh, you know, you know, so I'm not coming back from work absolutely drained. So I'm more present in my home. So I'm, you know, planning things in advance to do a trip together. I think these are things that a lot of, uh, and I'm just speaking to a male audience in this sense, but I think that men generally want right like they want to be more present they want to be more engaged they want to be happier and give their best self in every way possible and a lot of times for men it's like they go to work they're absolutely drained from work and they go home and then they're like well i don't have anything more to give what do i give now and i and i don't think they want to feel like that Right. Absolutely. But you can imagine me going into, I agree with you completely. I, I think, you know, we, we really resonate a lot with, with female executives too at Daytona and, and you'd be surprised, like they feel very similarly, you know, it, to that too. They could, they, it, this, I think, I think the picture you're painting resonates with a lot of people, uh, spe specifically physicians too, right? Cause they're kind of experiencing this, this kind of unprecedented level of burnout, physicians, nurses, other allied health professionals. Um, Okay. And then about more money, like what would more money allow you to do? Is it status? And be honest, is it status? Is it, hey, there's just something expensive that you want that you've always wanted? Is it something about your status in the family or being a provider? Like why? Why do you care so much? Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a purely financially driven person. I think that I, I'm driven by many other things, but of course, uh, financial health and, uh, being able to provide for my family, being able to provide for my family's future, being away, able to put away money, invest money for my for my family's future, for my kids' future, uh, and being able to buy nice nice things and and have nice experiences with that money is of course something that's important to me. And um, having the ability to give back, you know, when you have money, you're able to. Um, I think a lot of people underestimate how much money actually does give them freedom to then really pursue their purpose and give their gifts to the world. Because if you're not really, if you're, if you're constantly thinking about money in terms of, you know, I need this job because I need to pay these bills, then you're not really thinking in terms of, I have these gifts and I really need to go and uh, give this to the world. And I really need to go and do this and that and think in terms of a more kind of in a more purposeful sense. So money's important. For, for me as a, as a man and for, I think for many people. So this all makes sense to me. And you could imagine that you know, the other things you mentioned as well, like your characters mentioning, like we would go even deeper into this. So I'd ask you about the money and ask you about this, the, the things you're, you're talking about. But then I would say, okay, so how do you feel like, like, where do you feel like your health is now? And I'd say, what do you feel like is getting in the way about your health? Like is, is you, what you perceive is your health getting in the way of achieving these things that you want? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I'll try to answer answer this from my own personal experience. But for me, I guess I will say uh, 
one of the things I, I mean, I've taken a big turn for my, my, my health has taken a big turn in a positive direction in the last probably year and a half after residency training, but during residency training, oh boy, was my health suffering. And, you know, I couldn't even, I could hardly get up in the morning on most days. Um, I wasn't motivated, um, had a lack of purpose, lack of direction. Um, and a lot of that was fueled by just having poor mental health after, you know, going through the training and the, and the, and the lack of taking care of myself during training. And I think this is a very much, very, very common under talked about problem for, uh, exiting residents. Um, because you've been so accustomed and, uh, to this, to this sort of lifestyle during training, then you're just, you're not really used to, you, you don't know what to do with your time and your freedom and afterwards. <laughs> uh, but, but for me, obviously it was uh, getting my health back has been extremely important to, uh, living a better life, being, uh, more present and being able to uh, have more energy to get the things that I need to get done, uh, every day. Okay. So, and then see, this is such useful information and already it's like, this, this just takes time as you can see, right. For us to kind of delve into these things. So you, and I'm kind of merging two steps in our program, our kind of our onboarding call and our calibration call, but these are the kind of questions we're delving into and we're learning a lot from you. So let me go into just kind of the other categories of information we're getting. So we'd continue this until I really have an understanding of what these underlying motivators are. The second thing is your personality profile and kind of your psych profile. And we have standardized scales that we use to kind of get, you know, what's your, what's your grit score? You know, like all these things that we have you fill out that give us the context and information about how you think about things, how you think about stress, how you handle difficult situations, you know, the, the forces in your life, where are you getting information from when it comes to your health? Who's influencing you the most? What books are you reading? We usually sit down with your spouse, actually, um, and kind of get them involved too, because the people who are living with you need to be kind of on board and supportive, right? Um, so this is a comp this is not complicated, but it's an involved process. The other thing is, what are your labs now? Like when you say you're not healthy, pre-diabetic, I want to know the numbers. You know, let's see, what are you, what's your weight on the scale? All those things. So we'd be getting that information as well. So now we're painting a picture of you that makes a lot of sense. Um, the exercise I was talking about earlier that we do specifically on the on the discovery call, even before we onboard somebody, is it's a time priorities exercise and we create kind of four circles. So, so bear with me on this and it'll, it'll make a lot of sense why we do it in your mind in, in think about your life. When you do, when I say this, there's a circle of things that you don't care about and that you don't spend time on like videos that you don't watch that come up on your YouTube feed or Facebook things that you don't care about. And you're like, I'm not gonna spend time on that. You can think of one or two of those things. I'm sure, right. Things that you're just not interested in and you don't waste your time on it. On the other end, there's a circle. That's the exact opposite things that you really care about and that you do spend time on. Like give me one thing in that category for you right now. Things that I do spend time on and that I do care about. Yeah. Um, that you do really care about and you go, this is priority for me. I always make time to do this. Um, well, right now it's my business. Uh, okay. So that's, that's, right. that's always, you know, something in that priority list. Uh, other things would be my health. Um, you know, I'm five o'clock. I'm, 5.30, by 5.30 a.m., I'm in the gym every single day. I don't miss a day. Um, if I do wow. miss a day, uh, I mean, I, not every day, but four days a week. And if I do miss a so, day, I, I make it up. And I don't. I very rarely miss days now. So I put that in that group as well. Okay. Then there's, a, there's two more circles. So that's really interesting. So there's two more circles. The one circle is interesting. It's 
a circle where things that you don't care about, but you do spend a lot of time in, but you don't really care about them that much. Like they're not benefiting you. I'll give you an example from, um, from what I used to do, right? I used to be like big into gaming. Video games are common, especially for the, the male population you're talking about, which is the age group you were talking about. It's like, we don't really get that much from them, but we do to kind of get sucked in, right? And for some people it's TikTok or whatever, like just kind of scrolling through social media. So you you could visualize that that circle exists, right? That's there's like a lot of things that so we would consider those things distractions by definition. Though like you're spending a lot of time on this this stuff, but you're kind of acknowledging that when I think about it, I'm like it's not really helpful. Mm-hmm. Like it's not really moving me forward in life. Yeah. You would agree yeah. that that circle exists? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so those are things we can address right away. So if you want to take a talk about time to exercise, time to food prep, time to take care of yourself, we start addressing those things. That frees up time right Im- immediately, right? And so mm-hmm. you'd be surprised how many people have those things in their life. What are the most common things you hear in that in that circle? Video games, social media, right? Yeah. It's uh, like you know, scrolling at TikTok. Any other big ones? Any other big ones? Friends that are about? that are um, friends that are not helpful. Mm, interesting. And, it's really important to surround yourself with friends that are moving you forward in life, challenge you, inspire you, are supportive, and tell you the truth, mm-hmm. right? But there's lots of people who have friends who are not doing that. You know, you're just going out to party, drinking. They don't really ever challenge you with anything. They're not intellectually stimulating, and they're making you feel bad about yourself. It's, like, it's a distraction, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's another, there's a fourth circle, and that circle is the things that you say you care about but you don't really spend enough time on. Now, where do you think, now you, so let's talk about just two of these circles. The one where you said, hey, I care about things a lot and I do them every day. For you, it's exercise. Then this other circle I just mentioned, which is things I say I care about a lot, but I just, I actually don't spend that much time in it. If you look at the week and audit my week, I don't. Where do you think exercise, nutrition, and sleep are for most people? Which circle? Uh, probably in that uh, I say I care about them, but I don't spend enough time most likely. Yeah, exactly. So then it's like, this is a revelation to people because you're like, well, now do you see why you're not getting the results you want? So when you asked about high performers, high performers, sleep, exercise, nutrition is in the first circle. I say I care about them and they're non-negotiable. I do them. I make the time of my, you know what I'm saying? So part of our job as as coaches is to turn those things that are in the, I say I do, I care, but I don't do those things into that first circle. We're moving from that circle where we don't, we wanna be super honest with ourselves. We hit, you know, let, we wanna calibrate ourselves to reality. If we really care about something, then we should be doing something about it. If we don't care about it, then it's, then it's a distraction. So there's a mismatch, right? So we do this just on the discovery call. Where are these things? And we'll usually use icons. We'll pull the icons from your work or LinkedIn so we can have people move this, the icons into the circles. And it's a really fun exercise because people, even if they don't join our program, or leave with this exercise. It's really helpful for them to look at. They go, oh, yeah, it's actually true. I'm like wasting time on this. I don't care about this. But I'm saying I care about this stuff, weight loss, but I'm not really putting the time toward it. Well, then do you really care about it, right? So how do we move those things to that first primary circle? So then we, so you can see just from the kind of questions we're asking, I'm asking you, it's a lot of information that comes in. Personality profile, contextual data, your wearable information, what tools do you have at home? Who do you hang out with? Um, what's your baseline health stuff? And the whys, the captivators. Why is it you want to change? Now I'm armed with all the information I need 
to first send you that kit. So like the tools that you're missing, we'll send them to you. Don't worry about it. They'll just show up at your door and you'll have them. The next kind of the coaching phase, at the end of that calibration phase for us is now our our coaching team figures out the team that would work for you. And also coach figures out, Rami's the kind of person who is super competitive, doesn't really like to collaborate as much, is really sensitive to streak mechanic, for example, uh, doesn't really care much for trophies and badges, does like status, et cetera, et cetera. You've been analyzing me, man. No, I, no, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm I'm a physician, right? I'm not as. I mean, I I kind of I kind of orchestrate all this stuff, but we have experts in the in the company who do this really well. <laughs> Those um, were somewhat so, accurate. So, <laughs> right? Oh, really? I, okay. Yeah, maybe I maybe I have been. Um. So so I think I think now I've got like, I'm looking at the next four months, and we kind of do things in four month aliquots. The reason is takes four months to change your physiology, to see a difference, right? You want to see an A1C difference. It takes four months. So this stuff takes time. So now I've got why you want to do things. Now we've figured out, okay, what is the exercise now? What can we do? The actual, you know, what does he need to eat? What is he eating now? What does he need to eat? How do we, those are the simple things, like the behaviors you need to change. You know, how are you sleeping now? What can we change in that? And we have lists of these different behaviors, right? And then we know from your other information, how you need to hear it. So now we have structured coaching for the like week after week after week till we hit that four month period. Then we reevaluate and see how you were doing. And we set these smart goals that calibrate to or moving you toward those captivators. So we'll start measuring: Are you actually at your energy level? Right. And some of it's subjective. Some of it we can tell from the wearable, yeah. you know, things like that. But so it's like it starts with your health coach is kind of your QB. So we treat every week as kind of a, a mini milestone, mini sprint. Mm-hmm. So you know, every week we're going to start a pick an area we're going to coach. We're going to have a video call to kind of calibrate you, and then we're going to try out those um, those behaviors. And you'll receive a combination of video and nudges throughout the week that'll keep you on track. Mm-hmm. We'll also course correct you. So if we predict that you're going to stray from the optimal behavior, we'll try to get there in time before you even think about it. An example is if if our health valet is looking at your calendar, we know you've got three podcasts to record and it's already, you know, and you've been traveling the night before, we can we can figure out that you're probably stressed and tired, right? That's going to be a day that maybe you're more um, likely to have impulsive eating, especially if we know where you're traveling to or if you're traveling, you know, you're close to a restaurant that you really like. Those are the kind of things we try to predict. Mm. And so we'll, we'll, we'll preemptively reach out. What does that reach out look like? Like, what is, how do you engage? Like, how would my, how would my uh, coach engage me in that, in that scenario? Right. So we, well, we always have video, but we have very rich text messaging and that text messaging, the nudges we create are semantically constructed such that they're emotionally persuasive. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me put it that way. Um, so would it be those like, nudges hey, Rami, are important. don't have that cheesecake at dinner tonight. Or like, what would it be like? No, no, no. That's, so that's, that's a little bit, that's way too bland for us. So that's, that's, um. Yeah. I'm just trying, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand because like, what is, is it just a text message? Let me give you an example of one. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example of a nudge that works. We had a, we had a member who was, you know, in her twenties dealing with prediabetes and obesity, struggling, single mom, just, you know, trying to ascend in the world, right? Worked as a bank teller, trying to get promoted. Um, and her captivators was, she's really concerned about her bad eating habits rubbing off on her, on her kid on her son. She wanted to set a good example, like a deep-seated reason for why she wanted to change, right? And we knew from her personality profile she's extremely competitive. Like she she's ambitious. She's smart, ambitious. She's trying to climb the ladder, right? And she's just like struggling. It's just just the the good struggle. 
uh, to get there. She's very competitive. Um, and one of the behaviors that can really help with nutrition is is uh, not eating out, right? So like, you know, having food prepared at home. A simple behavior, there's more detail. There's, there's more detail on what she should be eating, all that stuff. But making a decision to stay home and prepare food versus going out. So that's the thing we'll have to nudge her on. It's like 5 p.m. I know she's going to get home. So the kind of nudge we'd send her is, hey, you know, you know that like eating tonight, what, what, what if we did this? What if we, you know, would you agree to, to eat at home tonight and not go out? What if we made that a collaborative effort with your son? Could you imagine how happy he would is be? This, is this a personal, is this someone who's already got a personal relationship with her? That's This is her health coach. Her, her, so her health coach would be sending okay. this, right? So yeah, wouldn't it be cool if, think about how happy your son would be if you're spending time with your mom and you're teaching him how to cook as you guys prepare food together. And then at the end of that message, we add the top 1% of moms do that. Okay. Did you see how that's much more persuasive, calibrated to her specific profile? Now you see how that's also so different from like a hey don't eat out tonight yeah. and make food at home. Yeah. So that's the kind of things you can only create when you have the amount of data that we have mm -hmm. and you form that personal trusting relationship. So your health coach is playing QB here and they're sending those nudges, but there's also other types of messages we send too. But importantly, in addition to that, now we're sprinkling in, you know, so so we're doing that for different areas of coaching until you master these skills week after week. So we start with sleep. Almost always we start coaching with sleep because that's the one thing you have to start improving before doing anything else. Exercise, nutrition, those things won't stick unless you get people. But in addition to the health coach, now you've got the dietitians, the personal training. You know, we've got unlimited sessions of personal training. We've also now, then we start um, executive coaching. So now people are starting to get healthier. They're sleeping better. They're feeling better almost within the first week or two. Um, and then we start the life coaching executive coaching and that's all spaced out in a way where it's not overwhelming and it's, it's, yeah. um, kind of adds to everything. Yeah. So they're kind of getting this holistic full 360 improvement, yeah. right? They're sleeping better, they're eating better. They're doing better at work. Um, you know, they, they've, they've, they've got their health valet taking stuff off their plates to help them with everyday tasks and to-do lists. It's cool. Yeah. It's really cool to see the and, change and that burnout you were talking about earlier, right? About like not seeing results in the kind of the traditional primary care setting. We see results. We're seeing insane results. So it works. Yeah. And in your opinion, what is the, what is the part of this that, that, um, that people love the most, or I guess, you know, is it, is it the accountability? Is it that there's someone holding them uh, accountable to do certain things? Is it someone that's encouraging them to do certain things? Um, for me, like I, I like being held accountable to things. Um, I, I try to do it myself, but I know if that, you know, let's say I got a workout partner, there's a 99.99% chance that I won't miss something if I have, if I'm accountable to someone else, because I just won't, I, I don't want to do, I don't want someone to be left hanging because I didn't show up or, you know, feel like I didn't follow through with my word to someone else. Right. Whereas I, I'm, I'm good with myself too. When I say, so I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, but not as good. So I don't know if, if there's, if there's um, a certain thing or trend you see as being the key motivator here. There's two things that kind of, they kind of work together. One is the idea that our team would know that about you and employ the right nudges or tools or techniques to do that. Um, is is the thing that everyone really appreciates. So everyone feels like not just they're being super supported because they have a team, 
but it's that the team gets to know them so well that they've deconstructed or, you know, our, our underlying goal here is to ultimately, you know, we have an AI approach that we're building that that is going to help us scale this and to get even better at the personalization. That's like our key to success in terms of a hopefully a venture, hopefully a venture back company, right? But so we can get this to everybody. But this the seed of that is to deconstruct human health behavior and motivation in a way where we can make it computable. And that means we have to be really clear about how everyone is different. So we all we all say everyone's different, right? Okay, but what do you mean different? Like, well, all this the, all those things we talked about with that fake the example of you the different variables that make up you, what you want, where you are now, and how you want to get to where you want to get to, and the things that are important to you. So people appreciate that we take the time to understand that profile, that we understand that they're different and we know how. Mm, I That's see. the, I would say if there's one thing that we do well, like the, the, the number one thing we excel at is we get to know people almost better than they know themselves. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Once you do that, you can start taking them through any journey. The behavior hacking process, and we ca- we call it internally behavior hacking. We actually don't even call it coaching because it's so much more personalized. You know, you could imagine that process could be taught, could be used to teach any teach anyone, uh, you know, any anybody anything, right? I mean, it's just a way to change behavior. You know, we we're using it for health because we think it's the best uh, way to use it. You know, we're trying to do more good than evil here. Mm-hmm. But you could imagine, you know, neuromarketing could use it to make people buy stuff. And they do, right? That's like exactly how Amazon and other companies, you know, formulate the design yep. that they that they use yep. on their website and, and their interfaces and stuff like that. But that's what we do. That's that's what they really like. They're like, they all end up with the feeling like, ah, oh, man, this team gets me. Like they really understand how I'm going to. And sometimes we can surprise them by know, by figuring out you know, in an analog way, calculating a behavior vector, like predicting what they're going to do before they even do it. They're like, how did you know that? How did you know I was like thinking about McDonald's right now? I'm like, we know you. Yeah. <laughs> we know on a Friday afternoon how you think, you know, that kind of thing. Now we're trying to make that computable, right? Like our approach here long-term is to use machine learning to to help increase, improve the personalization. Because you can imagine with enough data points, we could figure out and you know, create like a, a behavior graph, if you will. Use, uh, you know, fancy math to figure out those clusters, what kind of people will respond to be- the right techniques better, and also start delivering some of these messages and things over, um, you know, using bots as well as just humans. So some of these messages we send are just attaboys. Sometimes they're just encouragement. That encouragement is really important. It's more important than I thought it was going to be in the beginning. I thought that was going to be cheesy, like just telling people, hey, it's going to be a hard day, but you can do this. Like you would think sending a message to people like that is cheesy. However, what I'll tell you is, when you're on the receiving end of that message and you feel like someone's got your back, it makes all the difference in the world. You know, when you're busy and you're doing stuff. Yeah. Well, I think it does when it's a human being. I don't know how I'd feel about that if, I, if it was a bot or like some, you know, AI sending me a message. You know what I mean? That's an area of research that's really interesting to me. You know, having ex- experimented with these kind of technologies in the past and seeing the high engagement, even with like elderly people, like reflection health. We definitely saw that with the bot that was delivering physical therapy exercises. I think, and this is a whole other discussion for sure, but one that really interests me. I think I'll say this. I think humans have been talking to machines for 2,000 years or more probably, right? Um, I think now we've designed machines that are talking back. And I think people are really engaged to that. I think I'm old enough to wear- I talk to Siri all the time. There you go, <laughs> right? So it's and, and if you if, if you you know just watch kids do it, right? They they I wonder how they see them as um, as personas and people personify 
you know, conversational agents. Yeah. And that's been shown now in apps, right? It's actually helping people, right? Whether it's mental health and stuff like that. Uh, and, and, you know, like Michelle, you know, Zhu over at Juji, the CEO is kind of pioneering this area of conversational agents. I mean, everyone wants, you know, that movie Her, right? Everyone wants Samantha from Her, right? This very emotionally intelligent conversational agent that's able to hold conversations and things like that. Um, so, you know, Corey Kidd and other entrepreneurs doing that with an at-home robot for, you know, post-discharge. And I was like, how long are people talking to to this thing? And they're like, hour, you know, hour yeah. and a half. So so I, th I think this is changing and I think people really are attuning to these things. I just think you're right, though, in the sense that, you know, not – I don't think we're replacing health coaches here. I think we're augmenting them where each individual member, what I tell them is, like, there's going to be a team that's taking care of you. You know, part of it's bot, part of it's human, whatever. But mm -hmm. the point is the team is working together to get to know you and steer you in the right direction every day. Gotcha. So to answer your question, you know, just to kind of put a, a, an end to that, your question about, you know, what you kind of get. So you'd be receiving this kind of coaching from all angles and you have clear goals and you're working week after week after week. For four months, we redo labs on you, right? We redo, we reevaluate re your captivators. And you're feeling better. You're doing better. Your pre-diabetes, your A1C is most likely gone down. You know, we've had several people with their diet, type two diabetes or insulin resistance go into remission in our program. Um, your blood pressure is better. You got so. Did we hit those captivators? You mentioned more money. What are we doing about that? Did you have salary negotiations? Did executive coaching help you find? You know, maybe you're looking for other job. All those, all those avenues. Did you have more energy? You know, what are you able to do now? Are you more present at home? You know, after like we started meditation with you, all those things. So we reevaluate. Like, did we get to where you want to go? Are we in the, heading in the right direction? That to me is 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 pretty comprehensive. We measure results in three ways. And tell me if tell me if I'm missing something here. There's three ways, and there's one fourth experimental way that we're we're, we're yet to spin up, but we're planning on. One, how you feel, subjective, self-efficacy, grit, all those things we talked about, confidence in those areas that you're improving. You know, those captivators. Are you closer or farther away? Second, we measure in smart goal completion. So like the specific goals to get you there, like, you know, if you want to get married as one of your captivators, have you been going on dates? Like what, what have we helped you do with that, right? The specific goals. We're at a 90% completion rate now with our current cadre. So we're pretty good about getting people to complete these goals and close the loop there. The third is physiology. Does your physiology reflect you feeling better? Your A1C, your lipids, your, your blood pressure, your weight, your, your body, your fat mass, your fat percentage. So we measure all these things as well. They're really important for us to be comprehensive. The fourth thing we're thinking about is, you know, methylation, all the, exploring that area of longevity. So like biological age versus chronological age. You know, does a comprehensive program like this, you know, give you more years to your on your life, right? And this this is something that we're we're just thinking through with one of our advisors who's an expert in this area. That to me, Rami, is a pretty comprehensive view of health. I mean, if you're hitting all those three things, it's like you're healthier. <laughs> Right, by definition. Yeah. This is a great service and it absolutely sounds very personalized and it sounds like, you know, uh, something that a lot of thought and passion has been put into, which I really appreciate. Um, and I guess I, I, my final question and really to address the elephant in the room is like, what does something like this cost and how does it, how does the everyday health enthusiast or how does even the you know someone that is you know working probably a regular job making an average salary uh sign up for something like this and justify whatever the price is because i think that's still um i think people are still a little bit hesitant to put money towards 
their own self-development or, or, um, health, health development really. Yeah. So I think, I think it's like really asking people, asking yourself, are you, are you sick of it yet? You know, are you ready to make a change? Are you actually sick of living like this? And are you, are, you know, do you trust your, if you, if your current healthcare system, your insurance and your, you know, insurance companies, some of these other our competitors go through insurance they're offered, right? They have really low engagement. People come off them all the time. Like they're just, they have a serious engagement problem. My point is if your doctor or that insurance company's offering is helping you, then more power to you, right? Great. I'm glad you're making a change. So I doubt that that's the case for the majority of people, majority of people. So I think that the readiness is there for a lot more and that it's growing. But that being said, let me just frame how we're pricing and how we're releasing to the market. And then it'll make more sense when I talk about the pricing. So I think of this like Tesla, like, you know, we, we had to reimagine kind of healthcare in a sense with, with Daytona. And like I said before as well, we're adding a primary care component to this with functional med docs or docs who kind of are on board with this model. We call this model, by the way, SpanWise, where you were talking about it earlier, where the patients are the driver's seat and everyone else has played to their strengths. Health coaches are on the same level as, as physicians and everything else in between. They kind of form a equal plane of experts that help, which is very different than the way like things like One Medical does it or Carbon Health and very different from our traditional kind of healthcare system too. But that being said, to kind of, to, to illustrate the power of what we were doing, we had to kind of employ all these people and, and use kind of a lot of, and have them spend a lot of time. In other words, we had to create the, the Tesla Roadster or the Model S, right? We had to create the premium version so we could show the world, here's the kind of things we can do if you had a team like this, and then we, we've got a plan to scale it and make it cheaper. So we released, you know, kind of the Model 3 of this as well. So our Model S is right now we've discounted pricing. It's $12.50 a month. The reason that's priced that way is because if you think about how much people are paying right now to A, employ those services, like you have to go find executive coaches and all that stuff by yourself, it gets a lot more expensive than that. So we've bundled it in a way and been able to, to create a price that works. The there's the full price is more, but you know we're 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 open to members right now. We have lots of spots open at the discounted pricing, so we want to create a community and and get people results. So that twelve fifty is very affordable when you know people like the average person paying for personal training is paying six hundred to nine hundred dollars a month just for their training. Whereas for us, you get that training included with unlimited sessions with all these people. We don't count sessions. We think that's a really um, that kind of hamstrings the whole thing. So that's the whole shebang the welcome kit, the URA ring, Fitbit, and all the other tools included, you know, we done, and like we guarantee results. Like if you're not hitting your goals, we'll coach you for free until you do. Like we, we're serious. We don't let our clients fail. Like that's our number one rule. But we had to, like your, to your point, it's like our goal here is not to get people who can just afford that and create this business like that. I, a fundamental goal here is to change how we view health and healthcare and get this exit off that highway like I was talking about to the majority of people. So that the real vision is everyone with a smartphone should have this just like you get Siri with a smartphone, right? You don't pay extra for this, the world's best AI assistant, which is which which probably costs $3 billion to make, right? At least. It just comes with your phone. Like what if everyone with a smartphone just had Daytona or this kind of comprehensive spanwise model of health or health coaching included? That's the ultimate goal. But to get there, we have to go in stages. So like the Model 3 for us is the 399 option. And that's super competitive and it's priced um, competitively to the other direct-to-consumer offerings of things like Vita and Verda Health and stuff like that. So 
that price will go up a little bit when we add docs, but that's still a better deal, right? Because you get the prescription management. Some people need meds and doctors are really good at some of the, the more hardcore medical problems and the medical decision-making. Nothing substitutes for that. That's really our strength, right? So that comes part of the package and the price goes to $4.99 and that's still very tenable for us to do. And that to me is an awesome price. That's cheap enough, but that's still millions of people that can afford that. You know, ultimately we want to create what Tesla probably will do, which is create the model one or something, right? The entry level thing. And hopefully there's, so that is still, that's still coming. And the model three equivalent for us right now, the day, we call it Daytona core. We don't include the executive assistant. And some of those, some of those perks go away because we just have to get the core stuff out. So people just want to get started. I'm like, I want to make a change. You know, I want something personal. I want this to work. I want results guaranteed if I put in the work to do it. And I've tried Noom. I've tried all these things that all they do is our calorie trackers send me a bunch of reminders and they say coaching, but instead I just, you know, those companies have basically due to business constraints and, you know, trying to figure it out themselves. I think in a lot of ways they've, they've created, you know, the equivalent of coaching call centers. There's nothing personal about my experience when I use Noom or, um, or Amada Health, right? So, it, so you're getting the personal part and the behavior hacking process, the tools, techniques, and the people in one package. So that's really how I say we're always different from everybody. Functional, look at root causes. Behavior hacking doesn't exist anywhere else. In-person coaches are good at it, but they don't come with all the other, the other parts of the puzzle that we do. And third is um, we're unified. It's one unified platform that contains everything. So you don't have to go hunting for it and it's all integrated. So everyone sees each, other notes, each other's notes. They figure out the progress uh, you know, collaboratively with each, with each client, which is member. It's a membership model. And then, you know, we want to get that price down as much as possible so that everyone can have a, a go at this. That's, that's really the goal. The goal is to have everyone, you know, why is not every 18 year old, right? Be like, imagine, imagine the health of our country as a whole, right? Imagine the burden of disease. If in 50 years, this just, be, this became the default way we did preventative healthcare for everybody. And so they were making just better decisions from when they were 16 years old. That's the goal, yeah. right? That's what we're trying to aim for. It's a moonshot, but screw it. Like we went to the moon right? eventually. <laughs> we got there. So it's like you got to you you go gotta try. It. So, I mean, to circle back around to your first your first question you asked at the, this podcast was like, why am I doing this? Like, that's why. That's our vision. Like we won't stop until we hit that vision. Well, Ravi, I, I really appreciate your passion and your vision for what you're building and uh, I, I really appreciate that you're putting so much thoughtfulness and personalization into this sort of healthcare product, which I don't see a lot in digital health. So I just I want to first off thank you for giving us such a great comprehensive rundown of what you're building, why you're building it, and um, you know I I'm I'm deeply inspired, and I, I, honestly I I'm actually very interested in the product itself, and I hope to become a customer myself. Um, would love would love for you to just share with our audience where we can um, have them get connected with Daytona or connect with yourself and and learn more and be a potential user of of Daytona Health. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. For, well, well, first of all, it's been awesome to be able to explain this in detail because there's so many aspects to what we're doing. It's good to have the kind of a safe space and the time to kind of breathe and, and talk about the details. So it was fun to do that with you. Um, happy to have you as a customer as well. 
Well, you can always reach me at my email, Ravi at, you know, R-A-V-I at Daytona.health and happy to connect you with our coaching team or take you through a discovery call. You'll find the link to the discovery call at our website. So www.daytona.health. And it'll give you a little bit of an overview of what we're doing and how we're doing it. And some of the things on the website will be familiar to what you've heard here. Happy to, you know, accommodate anyone who just clicks on the discovery call question. There'll be a couple, few, couple, a few questions there on type form. A calendar link will pop up. And it's you know, 20, 30 minutes of your life. It's well worth it. We'll do the exercise together and we'll talk about you know, what it, every individual is actually interested in. And we'll see if we're a good fit. Like We don't want to force behavior change on anybody. That's not the way it works. But if you feel like it's a good fit, happy to do it. Awesome. Ravi, thank you so much, my friend. I really enjoyed this uh, recording together and uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah, definitely. Thanks.